0: well good morning everybody it is so good to see you all here this morning my name is Tim Park I serve as our lead pastor here and we are just so thankful to worship together on this beautiful Sunday now I'm excited to hear God's word from our guest speaker and a personal friend of mine Dr. Reggie Thomas is president of Peak Potential which is a firm that focuses on executive coaching leadership training and consulting. And before going into business, Reggie spent over 25 years in ministry as a senior pastor, an executive pastor, and also a seminary director. Reggie is also an author. He's authored a best-selling book entitled, People Pains, Fixing the Drama in Your Business. I got to read that book. <laughs> I'm sure that that is appropriate for any organization out there. People pains fixing the drama in your business. Reggie's wife Janine is with him this morning. They've been married for 33 years and they have t- yes. And they have two grown daughters, Amanda and Emily. One of Reggie's hobbies is he likes to run. I knew he was a cool guy. In fact, he has run 40 marathons. Now, a marathon is a distance of 26.2 miles. That's a long way. And as if if that's not long enough, he's also run six ultra-marathons. That's any distance longer than 26.2 and this April, he'll run in his 12th Boston Marathon. Whoo! I'm tired just thinking about all that. Some of our men will remember Reggie. He was our guest speaker at a men's retreat back in 2018. And he encouraged our men back then. And I know that you are going to be blessed by his message. He's going to bring a message entitled, Pack for the Day. Pack for the Day. And that comes from Acts Chapter One, Verse Eight. Let's give a warm EFree welcome to Reggie Thomas.
1: Well, thank you, Tim, and good morning, EFree Church. Morning. Oh, wow! You guys are a lot more exciting than the <laughs> nine o'clock service this morning. Yeah, let me do that again. Good morning, EFree Church. I love that. All right. All right. I'm going to actually preach this service, man. I tell you. Well, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Any, any uh, Eagles fans out there this morning? Chiefs fans? Does anybody know there's a Super Bowl? Or you're going to be like my wife who's going to go shopping because she figures. Okay. All right. All right. All right. got a response. That's all I was waiting for. Hey, good to be with you this morning. Uh, I love Tim. Tim is he's a good friend of mine. He and I we uh, we've had the privilege of training together, and uh, he's actually surpassed me in the marathon level. Okay, uh, when I met Tim back in 2025, I believe that's when you first came to E Free Church, right? 2015 as the senior lead pastor. Yeah. So he contacted me, and he had just started running, and he wanted to connect with me, and some advice on running at the time my my marathon pr was 308 and so he called me just to talk to me about the whole experience of running marathons and he was interested in joining our our running club so this cat goes out his first marathon and breaks my record 307 okay and uh he ran a 307 and so um since then he's broken three hours so actually, he's faster than I am now, but I always tell people, he may be faster, but I'm the better looking runner, okay? So <laughs> it's, all, it's all how you look, it, it doesn't matter how fast you are, yeah. Hey, great being with you, I'm, I'm really happy to be able to share uh, in this particular service about your, your February theme, dealing with global missions. So my wife and I, we, uh, we've been talking about this message throughout the week, and I got some feedback from her. And the title of the message is actually a little strange. Pack for the day. But let me tell you why uh, I entitled the message this. We have listened to a number of missions sermons. And sometimes we tend to have a a tendency of checking out when we know that we're going to hear another sermon on missions. Oh brother, here's another mission sermon. But one of the things that came to my realization over the last uh, couple of weeks is oftentimes we focus on the far mission field. And I've had the privilege of going on several mission trips. I've been to uh, Africa. I've been to Argentina. I've been to Belize. And uh, there's a process when you go on a mission trip. Typically, when you go on a mission trip, you go with a team, and so a few months out, you begin to meet with your team. You go through training, Uh, you learn more about the culture, the language, what the people are like, what to do, what not to do. You learn key phrases so that you can connect with the people. Sometimes you have to go through a process of getting certain shots, you're told what to pack. You're trained in evangelism and discipleship so that you can serve when you get there. And then about a week before you go on the mission trip, you begin to pack your luggage. And typically when I go on a mission trip, I usually have two bags, two large bags because you're gone for so long and you need so much stuff while you're there. So you pack and you pack for this two week mission trip. And I started thinking about this whole concept of packing for a mission trip to Argentina or Belize or some other country. And I thought, why not pack for the day? Why not wake up every single day and think about the opportunities that I might have to share Jesus with people that I'm going to come in contact with that day? Why is it that we have confined missions to what is out there and not what is immediately around us? And so I want you to understand this morning that every single one of you is a missionary. Every single one of you is called to share your faith. And that, that may not look the same for every single one of you. But every single one of us in this room, we're called To share our faith. We're called to influence the mission field that we live in. That could be your neighborhood. That could be your job. That could be any social context that you have exposure to. So I want you to look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. Now you have to understand the context here. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Remember Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. He was about to send a sin back to heaven. And what he does here. He does two things with his disciples. First of all he encourages them. If you remember... Way back in John chapter 16, he told them that he was going to be leaving. And now he says he's going to be leaving and he's going to return. He encourages them about his coming again. And I didn't comment on this in the first service this morning. But, you know, we live in a world today in which it's very easy to lose hope, right? Right. We look around us, we look in our personal lives, and it's very easy for us to lose hope. But the one thing that encourages us is knowing that Jesus is coming again. That's the first thing that Jesus does as he's talking with these disciples. But the second thing is he gives them an assignment. Your job is going to be to expand the gospel You're going to become my witnesses. But before he gets into that, I want you to notice how he starts Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, if you look at the book of Acts in the next chapter, it's the day of Pentecost. It's when the Holy Spirit comes on believers. It comes on the church. And he promised that they would receive power. But I want you to know that the word power, the Greek word is dunamis. And it's a word in which we get our word dynamite from. Jesus is saying, you have dynamite power. And where I want to encourage you this morning, church, is this. You say, Reggie, I'm not a theologian. I don't know the Bible that well. I haven't been in the church very well. I don't have a seminary degree. How do I share my faith? How do I share Jesus with people? I don't have the education. I don't have the training. The Bible comforts us in that. The Bible encourages us in that. In that when you become a believer, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit empowers us to live the Christian life. But the Holy Spirit empowers us to serve and to witness. So it's not about your ability and my ability. It's about his ability in us that gives us the ability to witness and share our faith. And then Jesus gets into this word witness. You will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. The Greek word for witnesses is the word martus. It's the act of witnesses, witnessing, or it means testimony. But then he says, in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice where it begins. Begins in Jerusalem. Where they lived. And what Jesus was saying to these disciples was. You're going to be responsible for expanding my gospel. You're going to start in Jerusalem. It's going to expand into all Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. That's the focus and the purpose of the church. Is to expand the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when Jesus told the disciples that it was going to start in Jerusalem, go into Samaria, Judea, ends of the earth. He was not only saying it was going to expand geographically, but it was going to expand with ethnicity. That's why Samaria is listed here. It was completely different ethnic racial group. So the point is, be an authentic witness where you live. Your Jerusalem is where you live. My Jerusalem is where I live. My neighborhood, my street. It's my community. It's my circle of friends. It's the people that I'm already in contact with. You see, I've always been intrigued by people who will travel 3,000 miles, 4,000 miles on a mission trip But they won't share Jesus with the person across the street from them. Start where you live. All of us can do that. That's the way we're going to expand the gospel. It's one person at a time. Yes, there's mass evangelism. And I love mission trips. And I endorse mission trips. My life has been changed by going on mission trips. But where I've made the most dent in spreading the gospel are those relationships that I already have. Be an authentic witness where you live. Look at Colossians chapter 4 verses 5 and 6. It says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. I want you to hear that. I want that to resonate with you this morning. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. What that means is, is our behavior. What that means is, is that if you have a bumper sticker that says, share Jesus, you better not flip the bird to the person who cut you off. Okay. Be wise means that you're careful how you live, that you're credible, that you back up your 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 witness for Jesus. You know, I have a an uncle in Tennessee. I grew up in Tennessee, and uh, I have an uncle who's 80 years old. He's my mother's youngest brother, and for years, He wanted absolutely nothing to do with the church, with religion, with Jesus. He was anti-Christianity. And I had another uncle who was a barber. And about every two weeks, my father would take my brothers and I to my uncle's barber shop for our bi-weekly haircut. And like most barber shops... It's a bunch of men that get in there and they argue and debate religion and politics. And one day there was a pastor who walked in and the, the, the subject of religion came up. And this pastor was talking about why everybody needs to be in church. And it really angered my uncle because he didn't go to church. So they get in this religious argument. And finally, my, my uncle said something that has resonated with me For the rest of my life. And all of my life. I was only eight years old at the time. I remember as though it it happened yesterday. But he said. I want nothing to do with the church. I want nothing to do with religion. I want nothing to do with your Jesus. Because the same people. That I party with on Saturday night. They're in church Sunday morning. Singing and preaching and teaching. What he saw. What turned him off were a bunch of people who professed Jesus with their mouths, but their behavior didn't reflect a Jesus lifestyle. You see, you have to be wise in the way you act. Think about your non-believing friends. Those non-believing friends whom you've been praying for, who you've shared your faith with. You need to be careful how you live around them. Also, don't be judgmental. Notice what Paul says in the Colossians passage. He says, always let your conversation be full of grace. Don't be judgmental. Don't be judgmental. I remember years after I graduated from high school. When I was in high school, uh, I played on the baseball team. I was a, a B student. I was a decent student. But one of the things that I was known for in my high school is I was a Christian, which was not very popular at the time, but I was able to influence my high school for Jesus. And years later, I had people tell me, Reggie, do you know why you were so impactful in my life and other people's life? First of all, you weren't a nerd. I mean, Christians in my high school, they were nerdy. They said, you weren't hypocritical. You live what you professed. And they said, but what we really liked about you was you were not judgmental. You are our friend. That's being wise in the way you relate to nonbelievers. Don't be judgmental. Be full of grace. And then Paul says, Be seasoned with salt. In other words, make the gospel attractive. Now, there's probably nobody in this room who loves salt more than I do. I'm this guy that when I sit down to eat a meal, I'm I'm gonna grab the salt shaker right away. And my wife, it makes her so angry Reggie, try the food first. (laughs) I don't have to because I know it's not gonna be salty enough. I love salt. Some of you like sugar, you like desserts, you like sweets. Oh no, just give me a bag of chips any day and I'm happy, okay? If it's got salt, I want it. Love salt. Salt flavors food, salt enhances the the taste of food. But you know what? You can apply too much salt and it's obnoxious. And there are some Christians who are obnoxious, they're sincere. They mean well, but they go overboard. You have to apply salt liberally, gently. Be the salt of the earth that Jesus talks about in Matthew 5. Be the light of the world, but be wise in it. So make witnessing a natural part of your lifestyle. So I want to share with you the different styles of witnessing. You know, some of you this morning say, Reggie, I I, I don't know how to witness. I mean, I've seen it done. I've been taught to witness a certain way, but that's just not me. I'm just not wired that way. It's just not natural for me. And some of you, you don't witness because you've been trained or you've been conditioned to share your faith a certain way. But it's a way that does not fit your personality and who you are. So let me share with you some of the styles of of witnessing. The first one is what we call direct. It's confrontational. It's this person that you'll see preaching on the street corners and nobody's listening. It's this person who doesn't mind going to knock on doors. And I don't mean to be offensive this morning. okay? please don't don't be offended by what I'm about to say. But that doesn't work. That is not the most effective style of evangelism. Think about when salespeople come to your door. Are you happy about that? So if you go to somebody's house to pass out a track or to introduce a conversation with Jesus and you don't even know them, they're going to look at you just like you're a typical everyday salesperson. They don't want to hear it. I remember when I was in college... There was this guy, his name was Earl Tapley. He was probably 80 years old at the time. He's gone to glory now. But his name was Earl Tapley. We called him Brother Earl. He would come on our college campus with tracks. And he was a bold witness. I mean, I admired his his ability to share the gospel. I admired his courage. But his technique was terrible. He would walk up to people... And he would ask them a question. If you were a male, he would say, brother, are you going to hell? (laughs) Or if you were a female, madam, are you going to hell? I love that style. I love that. No, I'm kidding. Okay. That does not work. It's not attractive. Okay. That's the confrontational style. And oftentimes in a lot of evangelism training, we're taught to do that. And then there is the intellectual style, the intellectual style. You know, this is so timely. There was a lady that came up to me from the first service and she said, Reggie, she said, I have a Buddhist friend and I don't know how to talk to them. I said, well, tell me more. She said, when I talk about giving your life to Jesus, they said, what's wrong with me giving my life to Buddha? She said, how do I answer that? And my answer is going to surprise you. I said, you don't answer her. I said, you ask questions. Learn more about her. Learn more about why she became Buddhist. Learn more why she believes in Buddhism. Learn, ask questions about their, their doctrine. And what happens is, is that you'll then get into An intellectual conversation that can lead to you sharing your side. You see, here's the thing we have to be more interested than we are interesting. We have to be more concerned about learning where they're coming from versus intruding on them and forcing what we believe on them. Engage them, engage them in a conversation. You don't have to have the answers. But you can ask questions. And that means all of us can use the intellectual style. You may not be a theologian. You may not have a a seminary degree. But you can use the intellectual style by asking questions of them. Learning more about their faith. And then there's what is called servant evangelism. Servant evangelism. It's giving a person a cup of water in the name of Jesus. And did you know, folks, that in our community, there are so many ways to do that? There are food pantries. There are these charitable organizations where you can serve. I love what Don and Karen came up and talked about earlier in the service. Many opportunities in the women's ministry for that to happen. But just serving people. And you don't have to do it formally. There's organic and formal ways that you can serve people that show people, hey, this person cares about me. You see, so often we look at non-church people as projects. And, and we wonder, and we wonder why people don't respond to us. People want to know that we care about them. And one way that you can demonstrate that is servant evangelism. So there's direct, there's intellectual, there's servant. And the one that I really like is called testimonial, testimonial. Look at Mark chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. Mark chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. You see, Jesus had healed this demon possessed man. And can you imagine being delivered the joy, the thrill that fills your heart? This person wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus says, No, go back home and just tell the people what I've done for you. You see, some of you, you're not comfortable with the direct style of evangelism. And some of you are not comfortable with your ability to explain from a theological standpoint what salvation is. But you know what? You can tell your story. Your story is powerful. Look at your neighbor and say, your story is powerful. Your story is powerful. Tell it, tell it. It's your personal encounter with Jesus. It describes your life before Jesus. It describes your life after Jesus. It describes how he's changed your life. And you know what? No one can argue your story. It's your story. Use that testimony as a tool to share your faith. But the last one is my favorite. It's what I call friendship evangelism. It's relational. That's been my technique and my natural style all of my life. I had a number of people in my high school. It was a secular high school where Christianity was not popular. It wasn't popular to be a Christian. But I won a lot of my friends in high school to Jesus. It's because we were friends. They knew me. They trusted me. I wasn't nerdy. (laughs) I wasn't hypocritical and I wasn't judgmental. I was able to lead them to the Lord because of the friendship And I want you to know that you have that same ability. You have that same power. You have that same opportunity because you have neighbors. You have colleagues that you work with. You have family members. You have others in your circle of friendship, people that you have invested in, people who know you, love you, trust you. Continue to nurture that relationship and look for opportunities to witness to them. Friendship evangelism, it's throughout Scripture. In fact, when you go to the Gospels, one of the things that you'll notice, Andrew brought his brother, Peter, to Jesus, introduced him to Jesus. Friendship evangelism, even Jesus used it. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 through 13. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, uh uh-oh, watch this. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. How unspiritual of Jesus. To eat with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees didn't like it, did they? But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus used friendship, evangelism. Jesus was comfortable being around sinners. And I have been criticized by other Christians because I'm just natural around non-church people. I'm comfortable with non-church people. I know some Christians, that's not their comfort zone. But I'm comfortable being around people who don't know Jesus. I love building relationships with them. I love loving on them. And as a result of that, being an evangelist for me has just been natural. Being a witness has just been natural. So let me share with you just three examples. I I have some photos I want to pull up for you. I believe one of the reasons that God gave me the gift of running was not so much so that I can call myself a Boston marathoner and not because I can brag about running 40 marathons. That's not what it's about. I have used running as an opportunity to share my faith. For the last 15 years, I've been a part of the Inland Empire running club. I've run with hundreds of runners and, um, We run every Saturday morning. We do our long runs. And we have people that have no religious background. We have people that are Christians. We have people that come from different political backgrounds, different worldview. And and often when we're running, especially if it's all guys, it gets a little crass. I mean, some of them are cussing. Some of them are talking dirty. Some of them are saying things that might embarrass you. And so the way I handle that is every Saturday morning, I run with the Bible. And then when somebody says something inappropriate, I I pop them. No, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. I engage them, you know. And you have to get comfortable in those kind of settings, okay? But let me tell you what's happened as a result of me being a part of the Inland Empire Running Club for 15 years. I've had people who are non-Christians contact me to do their wedding, Great opportunity to share your faith when you marry somebody. I've had non-Christians call me and say, Reggie, I've just been diagnosed with cancer. Can you pray with me? I've had people call me, Reggie, I'm struggling in my marriage. Can I meet with you and get some advice from you? You see, that wouldn't have happened if I'd been judgmental or nerdy or hypocritical. Let me share with you another group that I'm a part of. I'm president of a group called Team Referral Network. It's a group of 25 business people that I meet with every week. I'm the newest business person in this group, but they elected me as president because they trust me. And they they know that I care about them. And I transitioned from full-time vocational ministry three years ago to go into the business world. And people often ask me why I did this. I did it because I was called out of vocational ministry to the secular business world. But hear this, I'm still in ministry. If you're a Christian, you're in ministry. Ministry does not always confine itself to a person who goes to seminary, who pastors a church. Although I I respect Tim. Tim's one of my best friends. Mark Lee, one of my best friends. It's a noble profession, but you don't have to be a pastor to be a witness some of you are here, you're in different professions. Use your profession as a platform to share your faith, but be wise and wait for those right opportunities. That's what I do in my business group. And then this is my, one of my favorites. This year, I got a contract with the Chino Police Department. This is Kevin and Nick, two of the captains. One of them is gonna become the chief of police in the city of Chino. And I've, had a, I've got a contract where I'm gonna get a chance to work with the entire department. What, isn't it incredible being able to work with an entire police department? The opportunities I will have to, to witness. And the only reason I have these opportunities is I've put myself out there. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable being around people who are not church people. You're a missionary. God's placed you in places for a reason. Capitalize on those opportunities. Let me close with this. Don't just confine your Christian life to the holy huddle. I mean, let me tell you, it's comfortable being in the holy huddle. As Christians, we're comfortable being around you. It's safe. It's safe. Everybody believes like we believe. We love each other. And let me tell you, I believe in Christian fellowship. I mean, all my life, I've have been surrounded by people that I've nurtured and they've nurtured me. Christian fellowship, you've got people who encourage you. You have people who hold you accountable. You have people who support you, people who pray for you. We need that. You need this church. You need this Sunday morning experience. You need that small group experience. You need those cell groups, those home groups, those support groups that you're part of. You need to hang out with Christian people. Because the writer of Hebrews tells us that we stimulate each other. And I'm not asking you to spend less time in church. I'm asking you to spend a little bit more time outside of the four walls of the church. Building and nurturing relationships so that you can be a witness for Jesus. And folks, you can do it. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. And you have relationships already that you've created. And as Paul says in Colossians chapter 4, make the use of every opportunity wake up every day and pack for the day ask the lord lord who will you bring in my path today show me those opportunities and give me the courage and the boldness to share it even if it's just my story my testimony you can do it church i believe in you let's pray God, would you empower us? Would you empower us to live a spirit-filled life? Would you empower us to be your witness where we live, where we work, and where we have a circle of people in our lives? Thank you that you've called us to be your witnesses, to be a part of the most amazing the most exciting ministry and cause that any of us can have, and that is telling your story. So I just ask, Lord, that you would empower every person here. I pray that every person here has been encouraged and motivated and even challenged to maybe this week to look for one person that they can further nurture, which could lead to A spiritual conversation. Help us to be open to that. And help us to be faithful. When those opportunities present themselves. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.